Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. Yes, we're going to be talking about how to find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Yes, it's possible in today's environment. Don't listen to the naysayers. Stop watching TV. Don't listen to those news headlines. Read the newspapers where they convince us everything is going down the tubes. We're going to be talking about circumstances here in a little bit. What do you do if you think circumstances are working against you? Well, we're going to be covering that and more. In today's edition of 48 Days Online Radio, here's some of the questions we'll be talking about. Dan, what key advice do you have for someone to be successful in network marketing? Dan, how should I go about trying to drum up customers for my new window washing business? How about this one? Dan, I'm unemployable due to my age, industry, and time idle. I've made a botch of my life. Dan, could I make a profitable business out of teaching etiquette and life skills to teens? Goodness knows we need it. Can you make, can you make a business out of anything where you identify a need? Well, we'll look at some of the issues there, some of the principles. How do you make a business successful? Even if you know there's a need, is it always possible? Dan, can you share an example of an obstacle you faced this year and how you overcame it? Yeah, I could devote a whole show to that. Well, I'll... I'll narrow it down to one or two. Dan, can I reclaim my freedom? Listen to this. This is a great question. Can I reclaim my freedom while not being irresponsible, still maintain my income, find work that capitalizes on my skill, and get some adventure back? Asked by a young guy. What a great question. Do we have to give up those things if we are being responsible and practical? Does that mean that we have to do something we don't enjoy. That means we have to give up enjoying life. We have to give up adventure, travel. Well, hopefully not. And I certainly, you know that I believe that those are all possible to maintain and accelerate by doing work that you love. Well, here's our quotation for the day. This, com- this is a familiar one. This comes from George Bernard Shaw. And it has to do with circumstances. Are circumstances holding you back? Here's what George Bernard Shaw said. People are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in the world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want. And if they can't find them, make them. So there you go. Are you just a victim of your circumstances or can you choose to make the circumstances that you want? Well, I think we can choose. I think too many people quickly capitulate. They give up feeling like they are victims. You know, here's one of the quick tips. I'll give you a quick tip here before we move into the questions. You know how to quit being a victim of circumstances by setting clear goals. There you go. Four words by setting clear goals that eliminates the opportunity for you to be a victim of circumstances. See, it's the people who don't have clear goals who then become victims of circumstances. They feel like they're being pushed along the railroad of life with that big old locomotive right behind them. 
But if you have clear goals, then nothing can derail you. You go toward those. Now, will things come up that you didn't anticipate? Certainly. I mean, we all have that. I'm, I'm going to tell about one. When somebody asks if there's been an obstacle this year overcome, I already thought of which one I'm going to talk about. Are there things that do tend to that try to push us off track? Well, sure there are. But if you have a clear goal, you can keep coming back to that again and again and again. Circumstances will not send you in a new direction. Counterpart to that is people with no goals, then any obstacle sends them in a new direction. Any circumstances send them off in a new direction. You're like a bit, a ball in a pinball machine. Well, I know you aren't one of those people. You wouldn't be listening here. If you were, you're one who sets goals, you know what you want to accomplish. You've created a plan and a timeline for how are you going to get there? You already know what you're going to make 2013 look like. If we make it past December 21st, 2012, <laughs> I had somebody give, talk to me a long time this week about that, this uh, impending doom that we're going to all experience when the Mayan calendar ends December 21st, 2012. Well, whatever. If, if we go, we'll all go together. I'm going to be just as productive on December 11th, or, or I mean 20. Well, I think 21st, 20th. I'm going to be just as productive on December 20th as any other day of the year. I'm not going to slow down in anticipation of the world ending on December 21st. Let's go to the questions. Rob from Houston says, Dan, I want to knock it out of the park. I use that term frequently on here. He's got it on all caps. I want to knock it out of the park. Rob says, I've been counseling in the traditional sense for the past two years without knocking it out of the park just yet. I've used these past two years to figure out my unique selling proposition, which I have discovered is my Spanish. My native language is Spanish. And so I'm considering going full force and embracing that ability to market more aggressively. Currently I'm making biweekly television appearances and going to the flea market on the weekends to offer advice for a dollar to market myself. I've heard you talk about geographic location being limiting. So I'm considering advertising globally primarily to Spanish speaking countries and offering online psychotherapy via video chat. As of now, I have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash counselor Rob, but I'm working on a website to accomplish what I've mentioned earlier. Do you have any advice for me? Yes. Now you're, you're a counselor. See the way we market has a lot to do with what we're marketing. If you're doing window washing and we'll get to that question in a little bit, that's one way of marketing. If you're counseling, it's something else. As a counselor, be remarkable in the work you do. Now, there's a couple things. Well, let me just kind of jump in with me as an example on this because I know more about it than your situation. I am a life coach, a counselor. So something in that genre, we'll use one of those terms. Let's just use life coach. So if you put in life coach, you're going to get probably 8 million different sites that come up on that just very quickly. Now I'm probably in there somewhere, but I have no idea where because I'm just one more ubiquitous life coach in a sea of life coaches. However, you put in 48 days into a Google search. I own that site any day of the year. That's not because I paid for some fancy SEO you know, search engine optimization. I've never done that. It's just because I have a lot of activity, but 48 days is uniquely identified with Dan Meller and 48 days being a term in which I think it's reasonable to make significant life changes, 
change direction, come up with new plans, create a timeline, act. You can be on a new path, 48 days. That's my byline. I mean, that, that's who I am. That's my brand. That's important. If you want to be distinctive in the counseling world, don't just be Rob the counselor, be something, come up with the phrase, what you're going to do. I mean, my buddy, Ken Julian in Atlanta, live it forward. Well, that comes from that movie, you know, pay it forward, which was so popular. Live it forward. That's a great name for his business. Live it forward. Then he's done speak it forward and some other things. That's what you want to look out for. That's going to help you. Be remarkable then in the work that you do. Ask for testimonials from people that you've worked with. Now, I know you maybe think, well, in counseling, people don't share that they've been in counseling. Well, it depends how you frame that. Um, maybe not in traditional psychotherapy. That's still seen as a weakness and people tend to hide that. But as a coach, people brag about working with a coach. So you may want to call yourself a coach rather than a counselor. People love telling their friends, hey, I'm seeing Rob the coach. This is what we're doing. Ask for referrals, even if you aren't getting testimonials where you can use those in your live ads. Uh, ask, for, ask for referrals. A referral is going to open the door much, much wider than any kind of mass marketing you can do to new people who don't know you. If you take out a full page ad in USA Today, all it does is tell people you had enough money to take out an ad. It says nothing about how kind and gracious and compassionate and understanding you are, but Someone who worked with you can convey those things to a new prospect. That's what you want. You want referrals from competent, credible sources in your community, and you ought to be able to establish those quickly. Counseling is a very intimate sharing experience. So a referral is going to go a lot farther than any kind of advertisement. I would not encourage traditional advertisement of any kind in being a counselor. Go for the personal connections referrals, testimonials, that's where you're going to grow your business and you can grow it quickly in doing that. Matt from uh, Illinois says, Dan, in your latest podcast, you advised against starting a traditional printing business. Yeah, we've had a lot of talk about that, a lot of comments and feedback on that. It's just one of those traditional commodity businesses, bricks and mortar, using technology that becomes outdated. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of those kind of businesses in any way. Um, Rob says, I agree. It's hard to wait a minute. I'm, I'm talking to Matt here. Matt, I agree. He says, I agree. It's hard to be seen as a commodity and the lowest price often wins. What are your thoughts on a vehicle graphics wrap company? There are a couple in my area, but I feel like I could stand out in this arena by focusing on design and quality. Can you see this as a viable business? Okay. Here, here again, now vehicle wrap. I mean, we're all familiar with that. You see a car driving down the road and it's got Doritos you know, blasted all over it or somebody's printing business, you know, the information blasted. I love those kind of things. I love the business. I, I talked about autographics wrap probably about eight or nine years ago when it really was a new thing. Now at this point, I, I just did a search on that autographics wrap. If you do a search in Google on autographics wrap, you get 8,000, 8, 8 million rather 20,000 results. This is not a new idea. You have serious competition out there. What I would do is look for customers where you can do multiples of the same wrap. So look for a company where you're going to do 20 vehicles rather than where you're going to do the design work for one vehicle. It just is economically not solid. So you want the economy of scale where you can have multiple applications of the same design that you do. Now the equipment to produce 
this material is extremely expensive because you're talking about uh, a printer now that's going to turn out something that may be eight feet tall. I mean, that is not a small piece of equipment. So be careful about the upfront investment required to be a player in this game. But again, if you go out and do some research in advance, look for potential customers. Now, my concern is that you end up being a commodity again. What you can do, somebody down the street will do for 50 bucks cheaper and they get the business. It's tough to be in that kind of a business. There has to be something that's so unique about what you do. So I would look to create relationships with customers where you would have ongoing work on multiple vehicles. I used to have an auto accessories business years ago. I did a lot of the old pinstripe and this was, you know, years ago, but, uh, had a ball doing it, grew the business very quickly, very profitable. And in that I had a lot of requests for early kind of graphics on vehicles. I did Wendy's trucks one time, did a bunch of them. And I just created stencils that we created each graphic by cutting out the vinyl already placed on the car. So it's a very tedious time consuming process. This was back before we had the big printers that would turn out the graphics. Um, it's so much easier today, but again, be careful that you aren't just competing with the guy down the street. I'm not sure what you can find as your unique selling proposition in this other than, you know, giving great service, but I think you're in something where there's a lot of competition. The equipment is expensive and I'm not sure there's enough upside to justify it. When I was doing auto accessories, one of the things that I started doing was putting sunroofs in cars. Well, the little Ford Escorts at that point would come to the dealer and the dealer only had like $400 margin at full retail. Now I know it's very confusing to customers, all these ads you see and everything, but a lot of times the dealer really doesn't have much margin there. So I would show them how to add on accessories to a little Escort where all of a sudden they could build in another thousand dollars of real net profit. One of those being a sunroof. So I'd put a sunroof in for 149 bucks and then I recommend they charge $395. So they get boom, an instant 250 bucks profit there and then show them other things. But in doing those sunroofs, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. First one, I just kind of felt around and I drilled a hole down through the roof. Well, then I cut in just took a little saber saw and cut in and I found where the roof braces were, where the wires for the interior light were. And I created a, a template for that. Well, Ford Escorts were just going out the door left and right. They were a cheap little ride at that point. And I had several Ford dealers that I was servicing. And so once I made that template, I was ready to go. Well, then the installation time, I could do one in about 30 minutes, install a sunroof. Put the template there, mark it, drill the first hole, put the saw in, cut it out, boom, put the sunroof in, put in the screws for the, the liner on the inside, and it was done. It was a great thing, and the reason I, it was such a great moneymaker for me is because I could do it in about 30 minutes. The sunroofs cost me about 20 bucks a piece, so I was making about a net $100 for every 30 minutes that I was doing those. So we did a lot of them, and I frankly love doing them. I would look for that kind of thing where you have the economy of scale doing multiple vehicles the same way. Well, Gary from Woodstock, Ontario says, Dan, I really enjoy your podcast. You do great work and perform a tremendous service to your audience. Thanks, Gary. Gary says, I've just found a multi-level marketing company and seek your advice. While there are a lot of clunkers out there, I believe I have found a very credible opportunity. 
Assuming this is true, what key advice do you have for someone to be successful in network marketing and what are the pitfalls to avoid? Thanks for your help, Gary. Okay, th- this is a tricky one. Now, I'm going to sound like I'm biased here, but I, I want to, I'm going to overemphasize my caution with network marketing while recognizing there's a lot of great companies out there, a lot of people that are making extraordinary amounts of income. It's a very legitimate business model. Recognize all of that. So don't jump on me about I'm crashing every multi-level marketing company out there because I'm not. But the key here, Gary, is not the company. It is not the opportunity. The key is, is this a fit for you with that kind of a business model? In network marketing, well, here, let, let me just look at uh, some, some of my notes here. If you live and breathe in America, chances are somebody's approached you in an attempt to get you into a multi-level marketing company. I mean, you know the routine, you know, buy this stuff, describe it to three of your friends. They're going to beg you for it because it's a revolutionary pill that's going to cure everything that ever ailed them. And six months from now, you're going to be making $50,000 a month and never have to work again. I mean, isn't that the way you hear about it? I mean, that, that's why it's such a crock to have people presented in that way. And unfortunately, most people coming in are encouraged to tell the story to others in much the same way. There are just as many mismatches in regular jobs as there are in multi-level marketing. Actually, there's way more mismatches in multi-level marketing. Here's the primary reason. Most MLM companies, network marketing, are promoting a fundamental falsehood. And that is that anyone can be a great salesperson. All they need are the right tapes or the right coaching. That is absolutely false. Most people will never be good enough at selling in any industry or arena to make a living at it. Especially the nose-to-nose selling that's required in multi-level marketing. Now, don't, don't tell me it's just going to be done on the internet. You never have to talk to anybody. It's, you're not going to succeed with that. To succeed in multi-level marketing, you need to be able to connect with people and have an ability to handle rejection. Most people don't. So the question, Gary, is not, I, I don't care what the company is. I don't care what the product is, what the opportunity is. If it's grassroots, you know, before they reach critical mass and all those fancy terms, it doesn't matter. The, the key is, I mean, you can get an Amway if you're the right candidate for multi-level marketing and make a lot of money even though there's all kinds of bad press out there, everybody's heard about it, makes fun about it, and it's been around for a hundred years or whatever. It doesn't matter. You can still do that. On the counterpart, if you're not a good candidate to get into Amway and make money, you're not a good candidate for the newest, latest, greatest, most revolutionary product that's ever coming down the pike because the business model requires the same thing. And in multi-level marketing, my part of my problem with it is that 99% of the people are never going to make any money. The 1% who are left are going to make money at the expense of the 99% who got in it and now have broken dreams. That's not a great business model. Now, that being said, again, I have dear friends who are doing extremely well, have made millions of dollars in multiple marketing. I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't care what the product is. I don't want to do it. And have I ever done it? Absolutely. My goodness, with me being an entrepreneur, geez, I've probably been part of 15 multi-level marketing companies. 
Have I ever made money? Yeah, I've made a lot of money in those. But as I've matured and grown as an entrepreneur, I choose not to use that business model because I see the repercussions and what's left behind. And we know, I mean, statistically, now multi-level marketing companies have to be honest about what money is really being made. I mean, companies like Amway have to realistically tell that the average distributor makes like $88 a month. I mean, it's not the Dexter Yeagers who are making $100,000 a month. I mean, that's so rare. I mean, obviously those are the ones they want to talk about, but yeah, the average person makes about 88 bucks a month. Fewer than 1% of all multi-level distributors ever earn a profit ever earn a profit fewer than 1% and those earning a sustainable living are even smaller still. We need a little music to break up that. Well, this is Dan Miller on a 48 days online radio show, taking your calls, your questions, real life questions about situations in business, life, jobs, all of those things. How can we do those in ways that make take us to higher levels of success? Hey, if you got a question, just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. It'll give you the opportunity to list your question right there. I'd love to hear from you and consider your question for an upcoming show. Jordan from Tennessee says, Dan, I'm 19 years old, attempting to start my own business. I love working all the business concepts out and feel this is what I'm called to do. The business that I'm starting is a window cleaning business. How would you recommend that I go about trying to drum up customers, preferably commercial customers like restaurants and so on, as these are the most profitable. Thank you for all your great advice, Jordan. Well, Jordan, you got a great business model, washing windows. We, we had a gentleman out here yesterday, uh, washing windows, Sutton parks, a friend of ours. He has a commercial cleaning business. So about every three months or so, he comes out here and washes all the windows at our house and back here at the sanctuary. We love what he does. The windows sparkle. It's a great service. And certainly if you've got a business, it's part of your representation, part of your curb appeal. Having sparkling windows is going to make it much more attractive for customers to come in. Here's what you need to do to market that. Hit the streets. Don't try to be fancy or sophisticated. Don't buy ads in yellow pages. Don't print up fancy brochures. Just walk in and talk to the owners. Now you can overview, have on a one page thing that you run off in your printer. I mean, have 20 of those in your hand and you go out where you can then give people information about contacting you. Um, a website, if you have that, you don't need that, but any, any information about how to contact you easily, your cell phone number, and then give them on there, you know, three different options. You can do it weekly at this much a square foot or however, or you can do it, you know, monthly. I mean, give them some creative options, Call, give it different packages. Call this your, you know, spick and span package or whatever. Come up with some creative names so that you stand out. So you're not just a generic window washer. No, you're that guy. You're that guy, you know, who always wears a chicken hat or something, you know, make yourself distinctive, but just hit the streets. Joanne and I were eating at a little restaurant recently in a town and it was down in Georgia. It's a town. I think it was Macon. Maybe it was Macon where a lot of music has come out of. And it was a, this quaint little restaurant, just a really cool place. And a guy came in and washed the windows while we were sitting there. Actually, he just washed the outside. I think he washed the outside of the windows and he did boom. Next 
next door, next door, next door. He just went up and down the street. He obviously had captured all the people in this one little area. That's the way you want to do it. You don't want to have one customer that you do, and then you drive across town where it takes you 30 minutes to get there, and then you do another one. Just work a geographic area. Work one city block to keep you busy. Just go in and be the guy who owns that city block. Great idea, great business. Man, I wish you well on that. Thanks for your question. Rick says, this is from Pennsylvania. I'm a three-decade graphic designer, age 54. I've been a happy serial employee nearly all that time for businesses, big and small, where the design work came in through salespeople whose work I respected from afar. Um, I've been alternately job hunting and freelancing since I last my, lost my last job in late 2008. Ouch. Four years ago, since we moved to cheaper Philadelphia, $600 was a good month. $600 in income that he's producing from freelancing graphic design. I just stink at business and I know it, but the economy has spoken. Now, now listen to this. Ouch. The economy has spoken. Rick says I'm unemployable at 54 years old. Due to age, industry, and time idle, we have a negative cash flow, and my breadwinner wife is the is a part-time nurse. I have botched my life. They say, go with your strengths. Making money isn't one of mine. I'm thinking of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What do I do for cash soon, preferably now? Well, let me think about this. Okay, hey, may I surprise you there? Here I am, entrepreneur, talk about all these cool business things you can do, take charge of your life, don't be a slave, and so on. And here I'm telling Rick, get a job. I mean, I, I really mean that. Look at what you described. You've been a happy serial employee nearly all that time working for businesses. You don't have to sell. And now you're, you stink at business. You stink at selling. You're making 600 bucks a month doing graphic design. Get a job. You are not unemployable. The circumstances are not against you. There are companies who are looking for 50 plus workers because they know they have better work ethics. They're more responsible if, if you're unemployable, it's because you aren't marketing yourself well and you don't have skills that bring value to a company. Now, if, if you're still you know, using old programs to, you know, you're using a DOS program to create graphic design or something, you know, that's a problem. You need to have marketable skills, but it has very little to do with your age. You have to pull yourself up here and describe what is you have in terms of marketable skills. If you're a great graphic designer, there's all kinds of companies out here that need what you have to offer. And while there are certainly opportunities to do freelance graphic design, if you stink at creating the business and that's not working, just go get a job. You don't need to be embarrassed about that. It's not moving back. It's not failing. It's finding where your sweet spot is and how you function. Well, you need to go with that. Do an aggressive job search. Well, I'll shoot you a note. If you don't have the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, I want to get one in your hands. 
Uh, tell you what, I'll just, you've got your address here. I'm going to shoot one out to you just to make sure that you do have the newest version of 48 days to the work you love. I go right through the job search planning process in there. You do that. There's no reason you can't get a job with graphic design. I mean, that's still a very, it's not like you're a blacksmith where there's little de, uh, need for that. Nah, there's great need for what it is that you do. You just need to remove this obstacle between your own two ears and thinking that you're unemployable. You've been out of the workforce too long now because you haven't had a job. Nah, you can address those things, have a killer resume, a killer portfolio that presents you as a player and get back in the game. And that's what I would describe that you need to do. You know, I, I'd say I don't, do, I don't encourage everybody to become an entrepreneur. I mean, I don't encourage everybody to quit their job and start their own business. Absolutely not. The key is, just like I talked about at length there with the multi-level marketing question, is it a fit? Is the business model a fit for you? If the business model, being an entrepreneur, running your own business is not a fit, don't do it. Get a job. That's nothing to be ashamed about at all. Get a job. Well, Sandy says, um, this is from Minnesota. Do you think I could make a profitable business out of teaching etiquette and life skills to teens? I'm an ENFJ. That's a Myers-Briggs personality test. ENFJ with a passion to help people reach their potential. I see a huge need out there to prepare teens with the social polish they need for job interviews and adult life. Teens today lack these skills. and They're not being taught in school. I believe it would be a way to help equip them with skills for a lifetime of success. To market classes, seminars, I would connect with schools and parents teach community ed classes, create a website with great content, create books and so on. Any other ideas? There are several businesses online that offer this, but very little in my immediate area. Gee, do you really think that kids today need etiquette and life skills? Uh, have you ever gotten a hamburger at your favorite fast food joint and you say, thanks. And the guy says, Hey, no problem, dude. Uh, is that um, high class etiquette? No, it's not. I mean, another thing that really slays me is how so many kids today crucify the English language. You know, I'm just fixing to do the, he don't do this. And you know, the, the, the language skills make me cringe when I hear kids, but yeah, there's certainly a market for what you've got. This is best. You can distinguish yourself by doing face to face training. Yeah, there are online programs, there are books and so on. Just be distinctive. If you want to do face-to-face workshops and seminars, absolutely. And what you're talking about, you know, go to market through some of the high-class, even department stores where they're selling clothing. That's a connection. Kids who wear nice clothes need to have good etiquette. Talk to some of the restaurants. Ask if they'd allow you to use a back room at the restaurant to teach restaurant skills. It's great marketing for them and gives you an opportunity to have a place to teach dining etiquette. Absolutely. Great idea. Make those connections. You, I mean, Dale Carnegie started his Carnegie training programs by having open seminars at local libraries. I mean, I started my business by having open seminars on career issues for people where they could come free. It was promoted week after week after week in the Nashville Business Journal, the Nashville Tennessean. Those magazines and newspapers would promote it because it was a free workshop and it filled my coaching schedule week after week, year after year, as I was building other components of my business. Brad from Springfield, Missouri says, I'm trying to start a lifestyle portrait photography business. 
I've read your book and it talks about finding out what your USP, your unique selling proposition is. I've been racking my brain trying to identify what is unique about me and my business. With so many photographers out there, how can I stand out? I really want to quit my boring, uncreative day job ASAP. Thanks for all your help with the podcast, Brad from Springfield. Well, Brad, thanks for your question. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, with digital cameras, everyone's a photographer. I mean, this weekend I was uh, down at a friend's lake house and everybody had cameras. Everybody was taking pictures off the back of the boat. One of the guys already distributed to the group of guys that was there, a CD with over 400 photos on it that he took. The guy's not a photographer. He's a, he's a construction guy. He's a builder. He even has one CD that he created a video with sound background to it. He's got a James Taylor song playing in the background as he goes through all the shots and has them put together. And this is just, again, guy on the street. I think it's tough. I think it's really tough to be in photography. I personally, I think it's tough to do it where you are doing one-on-one linear income. That meaning you photograph a family or an animal and you get paid for that once. I think you have to look at things where you can get residual income, meaning can you take pictures? I've got a calendar just in the hallway here at the sanctuary that is from Amish scenes up in Holmes County, Ohio. So a great photographer took these 12 really great shots, but instead of selling those 12 great shots to the people involved or to somebody, he creates calendars. Every September, when I flip the page to September, guess what I see? The order form for the next year's calendar. So he's created residual ongoing income to a massive audience by taking pictures of these really wonderful, beautiful, quaint Amish country scenes. I think you have to look for things like that. I think it's really challenging. I almost said impossible. I I don't want to use that word, but I think it's extremely challenging to do traditional photography where you shoot somebody's pictures and get paid for that. Too many people can do it. Look for a unique niche. I mean, kids and their pets, elderly people, people in their cars, something like that. Something that's going to make you unique in what you do. Well, this comes from Robin and Lenny who says, I admire your positive perspective and what seems like your innate ability to overcome obstacles. Can you share an example of an obstacle you faced this year and how you overcame it? Well, I, I trust you understand. Yes, I do have obstacles. I mean, my life is not trouble free just because I talk about, you know, some successes there are still obstacles, but here's one that certainly comes to mind quickly. As I think about it, January 13th of this year, I had an emergency appendectomy. I'm usually, you know, I, I, I go hard and feel great kind of guy. Emergency appendectomy. That happened to be Friday the 13th. It was the first Friday the 13th of this year. Incidentally, just as a trivia piece, every year has at least one. Some years have two and a few have three. This is one of those years. 2012 has three Friday the 13th, we've already passed them, so they're gone. But I had an emergency appendectomy on the first Friday the 13th of this year. That got my attention. I thought, oh, wait a minute. I shouldn't even be dealing with that at, the, at my age. And even, even the little gal walking me back to get a CAT scan, you know, when I was in intense pain, doubled over, she says, ah, eh, you know, once you hit 50, chances are pretty slim it's going to be appendicitis. And sure enough, boom, get to the hospital immediately before this sucker ruptures. Well, they got my attention. I thought, now, what am, what am I doing 
in terms of my health, what could I do better? So that was an obstacle. Here's what happened. We went, I went in, got it done. I thought, man, I'll come home, catch up with what I missed on Friday morning, you know, and be back in the game. That did not happen. I was blown away by the recovery process, the length of the recovery process and what it took away from me in terms of mental clarity, creativity, productivity, and all that. I was blown away. And I thought, this is nuts. I've got to do everything I can to be on top. Now, I had also just gotten a report back after filing from a new for a new health insurance plan, just life insurance plan, I was rated because of high cholesterol. I thought, well, now that's not good. I've never had that before in my life. What can I do? I talked to them. They said, well, theoretically, you could lower your cholesterol, but nobody ever does. And I said, well, let me get back to you. I lowered my cholesterol 81 points in 30 days. Now, that's pretty significant. They got me down into a new rate that got me into the preferred classification again. I solidified that policy over the length of the policy, a 10 year term policy. It'll save me $25,000 in premiums, save me over $25,000 in premiums rather than the increase that would have been there if I had just gone with my high cholesterol. So 81 points in 30 days. I visited nutritionist, talked to the gals at Whole Foods, had my daughter-in-law, Ilea, help me. She's very experienced in this area. I read the book, Wheat Belly. I eliminated all wheat products from my diet got on probiotics, digestive enzymes. Every morning I have a smoothie. I start with frozen organic berries, protein, uh, ground flax seed, tree of life, that green powder stuff, whatever it is, pollen, granules, almond milk. I start with a smoothie. All those healthy things in there, that's what I start with. I have really changed the way I feel. I love the way I feel, the energy, the mental clarity, the stamina. stamina. I can keep up with my grandkids when we put up a new zip line here in our property, boom, this weekend and down at the lake house tubing on the lake, you know, going way too fast back there behind a boat with some other guys on tubes. You try to knock off, dump them in the water. I'm still doing that. I mean, I, I love the way I feel. So yeah, that was an obstacle. Did I just say, Oh, poor me. I'm too old. I've got to just deal with this. No. I said, what the heck can I do to get back on top of my game? But that's the way I approach obstacles. Now, there are some as well that I certainly have encountered in business, uh, some things that have been surprises, new things that we try to develop that didn't do well. Those are obstacles, but they're not stoppers. They're just, okay, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do to get back in the game? Hey, you're listening to Dan Meller on 48 Days Online Radio, where we take your questions about how we can do life better, just like that. How we can do not only work better, but how we can do life better. If you got a question, go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a little box jump up there. You can send your question in. We also got a toll-free number there. You can call in and leave an audio message if you want. I'd be happy to consider that for an upcoming show. Janelle from uh, Alexandria, Virginia says... I was a reading tutor at a nonprofit and interviewed for a higher position. Now listen to this question. She lays out an opportunity for a promotion. And the question is, and the way I'm going to address it is, is a promotion always a good thing? All right. Janelle says, I was a reading tutor at a nonprofit, interviewed for a higher position with the company. I interviewed twice, did well, but instead of offering me the job I wanted, they offered me another job that required traveling to the schools to assist with those in the position I wanted. The new position 
offered a little more money, but I wouldn't be reimbursed for the travel and I wouldn't be involved in the student's development, which I expressed I wanted to be in the first place. I do like the company, but I'm unsure about this promotion or position. Would it be a good idea to take the job or decline their offer? Okay, here's the deal. Keep in mind, a promotion does not always work in your favor. I mean, you just got to lay that out there. Promotion does not always work in your favor. There was a book written back in the 70s titled The Peter Principle, and it talked about how people in our culture are promoted to their level of incompetence. We see it all the time. You have seven tellers in a bank. Who gets rewarded by being pulled out of that and promoted into another position? The person who does it best. The person who does it best, we reward them by taking them out of that and assigning them something new. Now, all of a sudden, she's a loan manager. She kind of hangs in there for a couple of years. And they say, okay, to reward your service here, we're going to make you a branch manager. And all of a sudden, instead of just being the nice, pleasant personality that people loved as a teller, now she has to be the bad guy, discipline other people, turn down loans, go after commercial clients. If you don't get 13 new customers this month, your job's on the line. We promote that person into a position of incompetence, into something they don't do well. So if the promotion opportunity here takes you out of what you do best, then don't do it. Now, yes, certainly. And again, I can hear you saying, well, gee, you never learn anything new. Yeah, you can learn new skills and broaden your experience. But here you describe that this would take you out of direct student contact, put you into more of a managerial role with others who are actually doing the work. You know, I mean, think about an organization promoting the best salesperson to be sales manager seldom works stay where your best strengths are being used so in this position i would say tell them thank you but no thanks now there are all kinds of things that can be involved here but but keep in mind also a career path today rarely is a vertical move up through a company i mean you don't start you know hammering spikes laying railroad ties and then ultimately your CEO of the company. That's just not the way it works anymore. If you're good at laying railroad ties, you'll do that till the day you retire. If you're good at being a CEO, you might've been a CEO of four other companies and they brought you in because you'd already proven your skills in that position. So you can move upward in your career path by going from company to company and are more likely to do so rather than going vertically up through different opportunities in the same organization. So it may be time to do a job search where you're looking for what could you do that would use your best skills, but give you a better opportunity. Good question. Dan, my older brother just finished surgery from colon cancer and he's now on the road to recovery. He has been out of work for almost three years while he was going through chemo. God has blessed him with great doctors, making sure his bills were paid He's resting, but also trying to figure out ways to get back into the job force or start something on his own. He has two great ideas. One, be a speaker, tell his story of surviving stage four colon cancer. And number two, he wants to write a children's book based on his son. What are some ways he can go about looking into both ideas? Okay, both both of these, being paid as a speaker and being paid as a writer are both long-term goals. They don't happen overnight. You don't just decide you're going to be a speaker and have people pay you to speak or decide you're going to be a writer and people pay you to write. I would encourage your, your brother to get involved in the speakers and writers groups on 48days.net. You'll find lots of people on the same path. You can learn from them. 
but no one I know started speaking or writing and getting paid for it in the beginning. We all, I mean, I, I do lots of speaking and writing and get paid well for both of those, but I mean, I did tons of both of those free first. I spoke to, my gosh, I think I've spoken at every Rotary Club within 100 miles of Nashville. You know, church groups, civic groups, women's groups, library groups, book discussion groups, all of that for free to build an audience and a platform. Both of what you're describing are very difficult to get yourself to a position where you earn significant income. You need to have a long-term plan to get up that. Even my wife, my wife is an excellent writer. She loves doing children's books. She's done four children's books now. But I mean, those books probably produce, you know, three, $4,000 a year. They're very expensive to produce with colored illustrations. There's millions of similar products out there, especially in the children's book arena. And that's tough. I don't, I don't have a clear plan. Now we, we are getting ready for our next right to the bank event here at the sanctuary. We're going to have a whole lot of people in here asking the questions. How can I take my writing and turn that into income? A lot of those people already have published books, but they just aren't making income. They want to know how to do that. Yeah. We're going to teach people how to do that. And, and your brother certainly can, but this is going to be a long-term process. This is not going to be something where you just start it and boom, you're off and running. Okay. Let me grab one more here. Okay, this comes from Glenn in New Zealand. And he says, hey, Dan, and Kioa from New Zealand. I'm emailing you to send some international love and to ask your advice. How do you create a life of responsibility and adventure? Man, I love this question. Love this question, Glenn. How do you create a life of responsibility and adventure? I'm in my early 30s and have lived life restlessly, traveling, generally not working anywhere for more than a couple of years, usually only to support living in whatever I was doing at the time. A year ago, I returned from my travels to try settling down. I'm at a good company, paying me good money, utilizing my foremost skill, writing, and also learning a new skill, which I enjoy managing. However, after a year in one place behind a computer and having my writing being restricted to dry marketing material, I'm getting teaching. Can I reclaim my freedom while not being irresponsible, still maintain my income, find work that capitalizes on my skills and get some adventure back? Wow, what a great question. First, we need an English lesson here. He says, Kiora from, I'm not sure the R rolls as in Spanish there, Kiora from New Zealand. That means be well, be healthy. Thank you for that greeting. That's a wonderful greeting. K-I-A-O-R-A. The other word, Tichi, in here is, is is not you want to start teaching it means i'm getting irritable and touchy great use of the english language you must be a great writer can you do that absolutely i I love i love the way you use even the phrase here i'm emailing to send some international love my son and daughter-in-law just got a package of chocolate handmade by a friend of theirs who said here is my heart made tangible but man what a great line here is my heart made tangible in a box of chocolates that he handmade himself. Here's what I want you to do. Yes, you can do everything you're talking about. You can be responsible. You can make a lot of money. You can have adventure. You can travel. You can do everything you're talking about. Read The Art of Nonconformity by my buddy Chris Gilbo. Look at what Chris Gilbo is doing on his website. He's traveling all over the world. He has a goal to reach all 209 countries to visit them before he's 35. He's only got, I think, seven left. He's well on track to do that. The art of nonconformity. He would be bored out of his mind in a regular job. If you're bored out of your mind in a regular job, 
Don't think that you have to give up making good money or being responsible. Just figure out how to travel. Look at what Adam Baker is doing. His site is man versus debt. He just created a documentary on living mediocre, pathetic lives. Look at what my son Jared is doing. His site is on Gaza life, A-N-G-A-Z-A life.com. The heading on there is discover the extraordinary. Jared and I, Leah, his wife, and now little baby, Travel all over the world. They live currently in Mombasa, Kenya. Will they be there forever? No, not a chance. But they're there right now. He's opening some coffee shops with Dormans, the coffee grower over there, having a blast, being paid well, being free to travel, do whatever they want. You can do it all. Trust me. You you really can. You can do it all. Well, hey, I want to remind you about the cruise coming up. I want to give you a little note here from Pierce Mars, who's involved with us on promoting the cruise this is a way to have adventure and learn tax write-off anything you want check this out and then we'll close with this hey i'm pierce mars and i'm looking forward to seeing you on the upcoming wisdom meets passion cruise one of my favorite things about the cruises have been the connections i've made so many new friends and associates there is no better way to relax and enjoy business at the same time our first year on the cruise we met some wonderful people our second year i was a speaker And this year, I'm looking forward to speaking with you about Wisdom Meets Passion, the theme of Dan's upcoming book. Join us in February on the new ship Celebrity Reflection, traveling to San Juan, St. Martin, and my favorite, St. Thomas. To book your cruise, go to 48days.com. Well, there you go. Hey, you can do it all. You know, I've I've got a big old poster that I've had for years, and it says... uh, Golly, it says all, I think it says my goal is simple. I want to have it all. Something like that. You can have it all if you plan, if you create a plan of action. Hey, thanks for being part of this community where together we are either finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.